So I think in 30 years, at least it'll be soon it'll be 30 years. I think this is the most crazy title I've ever used in 30 years at Calvary. I thought about changing it. I really did. But this is, this is the thought. This is the thought that the Lord gave me. And I thought, Lord, and I don't think the Lord wanted me to change it, by the way. But I thought if I leave it like this, you might remember it longer if I, if I put something else up there. I want to talk to you tonight about Lucky and the Little Fugitive. And uh, that I really do. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy. You'll know what this is about here in just a minute. This is not a little storybook or something like that. This is actually out of the book tonight. And so 2 Timothy chapter 1 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you'll stand with us tonight out of respect for the reading of the Word of God, the title is, uh, may sound a little funny, the message is actually one that is so serious. And, uh, and it's, for, it's for every one of us tonight. Uh, it's for every one of us this evening. We went with uh, Brother Abel, Miss Lauren, last night to hear Brother Alfred Willis preach. And Brother Willis preached last night to the older people in the congregation. And he said, very often we preach to the young, young crowd. And he said, but sometimes it's the older folks that need to be preached to. Sometimes the older folks can get away from the Lord. And boy, he preached to all those older people in the church. Not to me, but the older people in the church. <laughs> and uh, it was great. I want to do that as well tonight, but I really do want to, I want to talk to all of our young people tonight, especially to all of our teenagers. This is a, a different age. It's a different culture we're living in. We're so uh, adept to, to social media and the internet and Wi-Fi and all those kind of things. And I know that maybe some of the older folk are not as much. I just want to say to all of our young people, be so careful what you put out there. Because when you put it out there, you can't get it back. Oh, you say, yeah, 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 preacher, I, I know. But you see, you, you don't understand. You see what happens. You put it out there and it goes away. Yeah, I know. That's what you think. But to be quite honest with you, it doesn't always go away like you think it goes away. And sometimes it can come back. It can come back to haunt you later on down the road. And I want to talk to you about reputation tonight. And so look, if you will, please, at 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse number 13 and read down through about verse number 18. The Bible says in verse 13, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. And the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. And the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day and in how he and, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. And so Paul talks about a, a man by the name of Onesiphorus 
Paul was a prisoner, if you will. He talks about his chain. And so Paul was in some type of bondage there. And he says about this man, Onesiphorus, that uh, Onesiphorus didn't let that hinder him. That this man was, was willing to come and be a blessing to the apostle Paul. Even though maybe it wasn't popular, he was willing to try to be a blessing to the apostle Paul. But I don't want to focus on Onesiphorus tonight. I want you to look at verse 15. And the Bible says in verse 15, this thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus or Phygelus, some say, and Hermogenes. I want to talk to you about that pair right there tonight. And I don't know if you've ever heard a message on Phygelus and Hermogenes, but I want to preach on on Phygelus and Hermogenes tonight. So you may be seated, and uh, let me let me. I'll try to hurry tonight. Let me give you the Bible study, and I hope it'll be a, a help help to us all tonight. I know one thing: the Lord sure rang my bell uh, before I got here tonight, and so I hope it's I hope it'll speak to you as much as it has ministered to me tonight. Let's pray, Father. We love you. Thank you so much for your your goodness. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God that's so faithful to teach us. And Father, I pray that you'll uh, help us. Lord, I used this title that seemed a little funny tonight, but I, I used it on purpose because I'm hoping that it will maybe lodge in someone's memory and they'll remember the time when preacher preached on Lucky and that little fugitive. Lord, I pray though that you'll help us to get the message tonight. And I pray that that, Lord, it too will lodge in our hearts and our minds. And I pray, God, that we'll, we'll not soon get away from it. And so, Lord, settle us now spiritually. And I pray that you'll give us ears that hear and hearts that receive, minds that are open. And, Spirit of God, I pray that you'll take your truth and I pray you'll hit it home in the hearts of your people tonight. We pray that Christ will receive glory and praise from it all. And we sure thank you and we sure love you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. We notice here that Paul mentions Asia in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15. Now, Asia was that area uh, in which the church of Ephesus would be located or was located uh, where Timothy would be pastoring or maybe was pastoring. Uh, and of course, that's what the letters to Timothy are all about. Paul is writing uh, to this younger man in the ministry, this younger man in the faith, his son in the faith. Uh, Timothy would be the pastor of this metropolitan area there uh, in Asia, specifically Ephesus. And it, it, it at least seems that the apostle Paul had, had very little moral support in this area of Asia or this area of Ephesus, at least from other Christians. In fact, it appears that there were some who who were with him, who had now forsaken him. We read tonight about Phygelus and Hermogenes. And I want to ask you a question tonight. Who are these people? Who is this pair? Who are these two that we read about tonight? I'm going to be honest with you. We know very, very little about them. The Bible says very little about Phygelus and Hermogenes. The name Phygelus or Phygelus, however you want to pronounce it there, but the, the name means a little fugitive. He wasn't even a big fugitive. He was just, and this was, at least this is sort of how it spoke to me, he's just a little runt. 
just a little nobody, just a, a little fugitive, the word fugitive meaning escapee, escapee, and I would think that it was not so much that he was running from the law as much as he was running from the Lord. That seems to be at least the context of what Paul is saying here. And so fugitive means a little fugitive and Hermogenes means lucky born. And so we've got the little fugitive and we've got lucky here. And as I begin to study this out, I begin to look and I thought, Lord, what do we know about these people? And to be quite honest with you, that pretty much, that pretty much is their total reputation. It's all that we know about Figulus and Hermogenes that one was born lucky and the other was a fugitive. And that's all that we know. Their total reputation is one of being an apostate Christian, a person who renounces a religious belief. We know really nothing about them except that they evidently at one time were maybe serving with the Apostle Paul, but eventually they deserted him and they deserted the cause of the gospel. Now, I said all that to say this, what a reputation to be stuck with. Well, how'd, how'd you like to have that reputation? I mean, what do we know about Figulus? Well, we know he was a fugitive. What do we know about Hermogenes? Well, we know he was lucky. He was born lucky. That's what they say. We understand that these men went down in history as apostates, as traitors, religious traitors. They went down in history as quitters, AWOL, guilty of a dereliction of duty. That's pretty much all we know. We can't point to one other place in Scripture that says anything positive about them. Not one other thing is said about these men that is positive. That was their reputation. But that's not the only ones I want you to notice. I want you to turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and look at verse number 17. And I really believe that, that the Spirit of God is trying to paint us a contrast here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 17, we read not only of uh, Figulus and Hermogenes, but we read about two more. We, we read about two more men, one by the name of Hymenaeus and the other by the name of Philetus. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 17, speaking of these men, Paul says, and their word, Hymenaeus and Philetus, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. And so I've got another question. Who are Hymenaeus and Philetus? Once again, we know very, very little about these two men. We know that if you go back to the first letter of Timothy there, we know that Hymenaeus is mentioned one other time in Scripture, and he's mentioned in 1 Timothy as a false teacher. But that's pretty much the only place in Scripture that you'll find these two mentioned. Their reputation, this was their reputation. They were an opponent of the Apostle Paul. Now again, I'm just, I'm just trying to make a point tonight. How would you like to be stuck with a reputation like that? What did you do in life? Well, I was an opponent of the Apostle Paul. 
I, I oppose the truth. In fact, notice here that the Spirit of God likens them to a canker. Verse 17, and their word will eat as dust a canker, a canker. You know what a canker is? You've heard, you heard of a canker sore. The word canker there is the idea of an ulcer. It's irritating. It's ugly to look at. Nobody wants a canker. And yet that's what the Bible says about Hymenaeus and Philetus, that they were like a canker. That was their reputation. That was what they were known for. They were known for opposing. That was their reputation. They never built anything. We don't find one thing they built. We don't find one family they reached. We don't find one church they ever started. We don't find one ministry they ever helped in. They simply criticized those who did. And how many know, Calvary, that anybody can criticize? Anybody can criticize. But it takes someone special to fix something. It takes someone special to, to build something up or to repair something. I could go out here tonight. I wouldn't want to. I could go out here tonight. And I could lift the hood on my truck. And honestly, I could reach in there and I could start pulling wires out and jerking wires here and there. And uh, it wouldn't help. You know, that wouldn't help. I, I could tear that truck up fairly easy. But I'm going to be honest with you. It, when it came to fixing it, I wouldn't have a clue. I know where to put the gas in. I know where to put some oil in. I know how to put some antifreeze in. I know how to check the battery. But outside of that, I'm pretty much, I, I, I'm not very mechanically inclined. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to make it run smooth. But you know what? There are people in this auditorium who are mechanics and you know exactly what to do and you know how to change this wire and you know how to change a spark plug and you know how to change a filter and all those kind of things. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying this, that it's very easy to criticize but it's quite something else to actually build something up. And we notice here that Hymenaeus and Philetus, they were never known for building anything up. Their whole reputation was they were an opponent. They were an opponent of the Apostle Paul, but we're not done. Would you take your Bibles and turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3? And Paul not only mentions Fidulus and Hermogenes and Hymenaeus and Philetus. But look, if you will, at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 8. And I promise you, I'm going somewhere with all this. He mentions two by the name of Janus and Jambres. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3, uh, 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 chapter 3, verse number 8. He says, now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. So who are Janus and Jambres? Once again, Scripture makes not one mention of them other than what we just read. You, and I went and looked. You can't find their name anywhere else in Scripture. Now, it's believed through Jewish culture, it's believed that these two men were some of Pharaoh's magicians that when God sent Moses into Egypt to set the people free, that these two men were some of the magicians that, that did their best to oppose Moses and did their best to, to try to close people's minds to the truth. But again, I want you to understand that their reputation, their, their total reputation was this. They withstood Moses and they were resistors of the truth. What a, way, what a way to be remembered. Can I ask you a question? What will your reputation be? One of these days, 
One of these days when you check out, one of these days when I check out, I just wonder, what will people remember about us? What will, what will our church family remember about us? What will our kids remember about us? By the way, it does matter. It does matter. Our reputation does matter. And evidently, these men didn't really care a whole lot because they literally came to this, this world, they left this world, and when they left, they left with a reputation that was really a zero, never built anything, never helped anybody, never ministered anybody, never started a ministry, never helped a church, never, uh, never encouraged those that were serving the Lord. All they did was tear down and tear apart and oppose and, uh, and hinder and restrict and all those kind of things. And uh, listen, when it's all said and done, what will your reputation be when you leave this place? And can I, just, can I just do this tonight, Calvary? Can I just warn us of something tonight? And I want all the, the young people to really hear me out tonight. I want to warn us of this, that a time of weakness is often remembered more than a lifetime of strength. Boy, that's a tough one. That's a tough pill to swallow. Did you know that somebody can, somebody can do great things pretty much all their life and then at the end they can blow it? And people really don't remember all the great things they've done, but they sure remember the bad. I thought about, I thought about Samson tonight. Truth, truth of the matter is, is that most people don't really remember all the miracles or the miraculous things that God used Samson to do. When you think about Samson, uh, you know, you don't think about Samson served as a valiant judge of Israel. And he did, at least for a while. God used Samson. God called Samson and Samson was used as a judge of Israel. It was Samson that tied the 300 tails of the foxes together. Now, before you can tie 300 tails together, you gotta catch them. And so that means that he was not only a man of strength, he was a man of wisdom, he was a man of agility. And so Samson catches 300 foxes, he ties their tails together, he puts a firebrand in between their tails, he sends them off into the fields of the Philistines and he literally burns up the fields of the Philistines. Now, I'm gonna tell you something, that's pretty miraculous. Not only that, but it was Samson that slew a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Not a Uzi. Not a 50 caliber, not a vest of hand grenades, a jawbone of a donkey. He slew 1,000 men. It was Samson who went to the gate of Gaza and, 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 and uh, basically tore the gate of Gaza off with the bars and the hinges and he carried it up on the hill, the Bible says, of Hebron. Uh, something that, 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 that really humanly was impossible to do. I'm just saying this, that Samson did many miraculous things, but the truth of the matter is, whenever you think about Samson, you know what you think about? Delilah. That's what you think about. Samson, oh yeah. He laid his head in the, in the lap of Delilah. She cut his hair. They poked his eyes out. Samson died with the wicked. A time, listen, a, a time of weakness is often remembered more than a lifetime of strength. 
I think beyond a shadow of that, I think that David, King David is one of the greatest Bible characters uh, ever. I love to study David. I, I think that David was a great man. And honestly, church, this is the truth. God knows that this is the truth. I couldn't, I couldn't shine his sandals. I mean, literally, I'm probably one of the greatest men that ever lived. But I'm going to be honest, when you read about David, often you have to remind yourself that he was a man after God's own heart. Because sometimes when you think about King David, one of the very first things that comes to your mind is Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 11, when David walks up on the, on the roof of the, of the king's palace and he sees this woman bathing herself and he commits adultery and gets her pregnant, has her husband killed. Now, wait a minute now. David did a lot of great things, but he had a weak moment where he stumbled and he stumbled hard. And yet, if this is what I'm saying, that's the thing that we remember. And so, please understand that a time of weakness is often remembered more than a lifetime of strength. Now, let me take just a, a few moments tonight as we close the service. Let me give you some practical lessons on reputation. Some practical lessons on reputation. How about this? Number one is this. A good reputation doesn't come easy. A good reputation doesn't come easy. Now, I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, tonight, please, and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter number 22 in your Old Testament. Oh, listen, I hope you'll hear me out tonight. God knows my heart. I want to help you this evening. And this, this helped me. This challenged me. And I sure hope it'll challenge you tonight. A good reputation does not come easy. Now, look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 1. Proverbs 22, verse 1. Find your place, say amen. amen. All right, here we go. Ready? Proverbs 22, verse 1. The Bible says, a good name. Now, that's what we all want. A good name. That's talking about reputation. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Look at verse 3. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Now, let me tell you what I noticed about that verse. Verse number one, I noticed that a good reputation is chosen. It's chosen. You know what that tells me? That a good reputation doesn't happen by accident. Amen. Hear me out tonight, church. A good reputation is, is something that happens by planning ahead. Notice what he says in verse number three. Verse number three, uh, still on this idea. He says, a prudent man, what does he do? He foreseeth the evil and then he what? He hideth himself. In other words, this man that is determined to have a good reputation, he looks down the road and he says, well, that might be a snag right there. That might be a pitfall right there. That might be a slime pit right there. That may be somebody that I don't need to get around. That may be a group that I don't need to hang with. Uh, that may be some young people that I don't need to, uh, that I don't need to be friend. Uh, that, that, that may cause problems with my reputation. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. What's that mean? It means, listen, I don't want to do anything that's going to jeopardize my reputation and that might be the thing that'll do it. And so my, my friend, by the grace of God, I'm going the other way. A good reputation will happen on purpose, not by accident. By the way, at times it may be a fight. You may have to, listen, you may have to dig your heels in. 
You may have to ruffle some feathers. You may have to, uh, and not that that's ever our goal. Our goal is to never uh, to, to hurt anybody or to be controversial. But I, w- I would tell you this, though. Every once in a while, if you're going to have the kind of reputation that you ought to have, you may have to ruffle some feathers. It was 1948. Billy Graham was holding a, was holding a series of evangelistic meetings in a place called Modesto, California. And they said that Billy Graham got together with Cliff Barrows, Grady Wilson, and George Beverly Shea. And they said that, that the evangelist Billy Graham resolved to, and I quote, he resolved to avoid any situation that would have even the appearance of compromise or suspicion, end quote. Would y'all, would y'all mind if I read that again? I just want to preach to myself a little bit tonight. So he resolved to, quote, avoid any situation that would have even the appearance of compromise or suspicion. The accountability agreement became known as the Modesto Manifesto. The Modesto Manifesto. It covered not only their interactions with women, but also commitments to integrity with respect to finances, their interactions with local churches and publicity. Uh, listen to me. From that time onward, now listen, this will help you tonight. From that time onward, Graham made a point of not traveling, meeting, or eating alone with a woman other than his wife, Ruth. I know. I know. The world is watching. The world says, y'all are a bunch of crackpots. Say what you want to say. By the way, I understand that Mike Pence came up with the Mike Pence manifesto from this same thing. By the way, you do remember sometime back when they were, when they were you know, ragging our vice president because he just made the statement that he doesn't go out to eat with women that are not his wife. And boy, the media uh, got on that and they, uh, like they could not believe that the vice president of the United States would say that, that he would say something uh, like that. But I'm gonna be honest with you. When I heard that, I thought, yes, hallelujah, that we've got a vice president that has some integrity. It's been said that Billy Graham you say, Pastor, I don't agree with everything Billy Graham uh, uh, says or preaches or whatever. Okay, all right. But here's the thing. Don't throw the baby out with the wash. Eat the fish, spit out the bones. Listen, I don't care whether you agree with everything or not. You can get something from this right here. And Billy Graham, it said of Billy Graham that he would not even get on an elevator by himself with another woman. That if he came to an elevator and there was a woman on the elevator that he would wait until another elevator came to take that elevator. They said this before staying in a hotel, that he had a a preparation team that checked the room for anything that may have been planted in the room that was designed to slander him. You say, Pastor, you think there's people like that? (laughs) There's some people that like to slander you. There's some folks that would love to besearch the name of this church. Amen. 
There's some folks who would love to, to try to somehow or another take the name of this pastor down. By the way, let me tell you what I am tonight, church. I'm a zero with the ring rubbed out. That's what I am. Just in case you're wondering, you say, who do you think you are? Let me tell you who I think I am. I think I'm nobody. That's who I think I am. But there are people out there who would love to see this church fold. They'd love to see this church close. They'd love to find something, one little itsy bitsy thing that they could that they could get a hold of where they could criticize this church or criticize this pastor or criticize this choir or criticize a deacon. I want to ask you a question tonight. What modesto manifesto do you need to set up tonight? We were taught in... Bible college, man, bless your heart. I'm gonna pray for some of you. I'm gonna pray for some of you. I'm praying for you. How some can be so unattached from a service like this, but I'm praying for you. Lord, help them tonight, please. By the way, same kind. Same kind that 10 years down the road will come knocking on my office door. Preacher, can you help me? I've messed everything up. My life's a shambles. My wife won't come back. My kids don't want to have anything to do with me. And I want to say, I'm trying to help you tonight. Before you ever get there. An ounce of prevention, amen. That's, that's, I think that's what you call it. We were taught, we were taught in Bible college to never counsel a lady with the door closed. Man, I go further than that now. Amen. If I'm gonna counsel a lady, I want my redhead right beside me. Right beside me. Always convenient, not always convenient, but it's my manifesto. I, I wanna make sure, hey, listen, give the devil an inch. He'll take a mile. If I am out visiting before COVID came, out visiting, knock on the door, by the way, knock on the door of, 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 of an, an upstanding lady, maybe loves Jesus and maybe a member of this church and I go by their home and I knock on the door and she comes to the door and she says, hello, pastor, come in. I always, without fail, say, uh, is your husband home? No preacher, he's not here, but he'll be here soon. Come in. And I'm like, you know what? I'll come back. I'll come back. You say, Pastor, what is wrong with you? Well, last time I checked, I got flesh. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You say, Pastor, do you think you could go in that house without the husband being there? Do you think you could have an, an upstanding visit and respectable and honorable and Christ-like? I think I could. But here's the thing. When somebody comes by the house, they don't know what I'm doing. All they know is her husband's at work and she's at home, preacher's car's there. Come on, can I get a witness tonight? Amen. Amen. And so, listen, I, I don't know about y'all, I don't want to just start well. Man, I want to finish well. And we notice here that a good reputation, a good reputation doesn't come easy. Number two, quickly. How about this? Number two, we notice a good reputation can be compromised without much effort. Now look over, if you will, uh, Ecclesiastes. You're in Proverbs, so just go over one book. Go to the book of Ecclesiastes tonight, chapter number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. And look, if you will, at verse number one. 
Ecclesiastes 10, verse number one. The Bible says dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation. Hey, that's what we're talking about. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. So that man that's in, or that woman that's in wisdom and honor, it just takes a little bit of folly to compromise that reputation. The Bible mentions here the apothecary. The apothecary is the idea of an ointment or if I could put it like this, the idea of a perfume. When they mentioned the apothecary, a lot of times it was, the, it, it was, a, it was a, a, an ointment, but an ointment that they might use to make things smell really, really good. And the idea is this, that, uh, that a really good smell can be made to stink by just a few defilements. Just a few dead flies decomposing in the apothecary can make the perfume stink. Hey, Calvary, listen tonight. If you're not careful, it's the little things that can bring hurt. Song of Solomon chapter two, verse number 15. Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. Galatians chapter five, verse number nine. A little leaven. Leaveneth the whole lump. Now, I'm gonna get off this, go to the last point. We're, we're, we're done tonight. But this is, this is all I'm saying. Don't build your reputation up only to do something. Can I use the word stupid? Is that all right? Don't build your reputation up being a person of wisdom and honor only later in life to do something stupid that compromises that reputation. When you say, Pastor, it wasn't a big thing. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a little thing. It can be a little fly. It can be a little folly. It can be a little mistake. It can be a small error. And if you don't believe that, ask Uzzah. The Bible says that he just touched the ark. The oxen shook it. And the Bible says that Uzzah just, just reached up to steady the ark. And when he touched it, God killed him. And the Bible says that God killed him for his, not his sin. The Bible says God killed him for his error. And just one little thing. I'm talking, about a, I'm talking about the looseness of words. You know, you can be a, 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 an outstanding member at Calvary Baptist Church, but if you let the world hear you use the wrong kind of word, word, singular, word, not words. You're out working, you know, around, and you, you say something you shouldn't say. Let me tell, you, tell us tonight. The world focuses in on that. The looseness of words. I wrote this down. The recklessness of social media posts. You know what I wonder? Can I just, just for a minute, I'm going to phase y'all out. I'm going to pick on preachers. You know what I wonder sometimes? I wonder what in the world are preachers thinking? What are preachers thinking? Sometimes I look on social media and, and, and here's a guy that everybody knows he's supposed to be a God-called, God-ordained preacher and I'll see preachers say some of the, the most idiotic, unwise things, uh, off-color, using slang of the world, using uh, posting pictures of themselves without their shirts on and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, what in the world are you doing? What are your people thinking? 
How about this? What are your young people thinking? That's my preacher. That's my preacher right there. Just use those off-color words. So I guess if preacher's using off-color words, I guess I can use cuss words. Since he's using, you know, slang term, then I guess there's really nothing wrong with me using curse words. Y'all see where I'm going with that? I'm talking about a little bit of folly, a, a, a lack of concern in appearance. And I know people say, well, I don't care what people think. Well, you ought to care what people think. You ought to care what your reputation is. You ought to care what your testimony is. You ought to care, number one, because you're a child of God. I'm a child of God. I've been saved because I'm saved. I have to be concerned about my testimony. But on, on top of that, you're a member of the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove. And if you think for half a second, folks aren't watching and tuning in. And that means this, that man, when we're, at, when we're at the grocery store, when we're at the hardware store, when we're at the park, wherever we are, we're on the baseball field. Oh, when we're on the basketball court, we say, Pastor, uh, it wasn't church. Don't have to be church. We have a responsibility to have a good reputation everywhere we go. And by the way, uh, somebody says, well, I, I act decent at church. How about at home? By the way, uh, really, did you know that God instituted the home for you ever instituted the church? And if you ought to be a great testimony anywhere, you ought to be a great testimony at the home, in the home. Your, your kids, your kids ought to look at you and I. They'll look at us and they ought to say, boy, mom, dad's real. They're real. Now, they're not perfect. Sometimes daddy, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes my dad's probably watching tonight. And so mom, dad, God bless you. I love you. Dad and mom weren't perfect. And sometimes, sometimes dad w would have a little hiccup, but you know what? Dad and mom were real. And they were what they were at home, what, what they were at church. And, and we didn't live one lifestyle at church and one, another lifestyle at home. And so, uh, again, understand, understand this tonight, that a good reputation doesn't come easy. And a good reputation can be compromised without much effort. And we're done tonight. How about this? Number three, we notice that a good reputation, a good reputation will eventually be revealed or a bad reputation. How many know tonight that the truth has a way of always coming out? Cast your bed on the water. You'll find it after many days. Look, look, look back, and we're, we're done tonight. Look back at 2 Timothy real quickly, because I just noticed the scripture we read tonight. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Paul was talking about Janus and Jambres. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 8. And notice what he says here in verse number eight. Second Timothy chapter three, verse number eight. He says about these two now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Now look at verse number nine. He says, but, but they shall proceed no further for their folly, look what it says, shall be manifest unto all men. In other words, the truth has a way of always coming out. 
Well, this is, this is a scary point. Yeah. You can hide it for a while, but it'll usually come to the surface. I know this is heavy. This is heavy. But maybe we can help somebody from making a terrible, drastic mistake. If you're here tonight, I don't know. I have no idea, but you're here tonight and I do, know, I do know this, I do know this. I know that I pray and I pray and I pray and I say, Lord, would you lead me in exactly what your people need and God, would you show me exactly what you, what, what you want me to give your people and this seems to be it. If you're here tonight and you're delving into things you have no business being, uh, being a part of, maybe there's a young man here tonight and, and you're involved in some things and by the way, nobody knows. Mama doesn't know, daddy doesn't know, preacher doesn't know, nobody knows and you're involved in some things that you shouldn't be involved in and you say, pastor, it's not hurting anybody, it's just hurting me. And of course, that's not true either but, but uh, no, nobody's ever gonna know, nobody's ever gonna find out. I would encourage you to do this, that you need to make a decision tonight to stop cold, turkey tonight and say, oh God, give me victory over this thing. God, give me victory over this. Uh, why? Because if you keep on, if you keep on keeping on being involved in things that you have no business being involved in, eventually what's going to happen is it will work its way to the surface. The truth has a way of coming out. Galatians 6, 7 says it like this, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life, life everlasting. They were a very, very poor family. It was back in the Depression era. I mean, they hardly had two nickels to rub together. Most people at that time, a lot of people at least, were out of, out of work and not bringing any kind of income in. And this family was as poor as poor could be. But they had finally managed to save just a few, just a few coins they'd saved. And mama wanted to do something special for the family. And so she got with daddy and she said, honey, she said, uh, we, we haven't had a, a special little time in the next little bit. She said, here's what I want to do. She said, we've saved just a, a few coins. And she said, I want to go down here to the general store. And she said, I'm going to buy the biggest watermelon I can find. And so she did. She went down to the general store. She bought that watermelon. She brought it back. Man, the family was so excited. And they had a day later on in the week that they were going to get together. Man, they were going to put it down in the creek and they were going to let it get ice cold. And man, they were going to have a little picnic as a family. They were going to crack that thing open. Man, they were going to eat it. Mom and dad had some business to take care of one day and the little son had some of his friends came over and they came across that watermelon. And it looked so delectable. And his friend said, man, we ain't had a watermelon in a long time. Let's, let's eat. He said, man, we can't, we can't. Mama bought that. I, I know, but um, she won't. I tell you what we'll do. We'll just eat one piece. One piece. He said, well, maybe just one piece. They cut that watermelon open. Oh, it looked so great. It was just juicy red, and it was so sweet. And, man, they took a bite. But, man, when you take one bite, you got to take another one. And so they took another bite and another bite and another bite before they knew it. You know what happened, don't you? Ate the whole thing. When they got done, their bellies were full, but there was this pile of rinds and seeds laying there, and the little boy thought, what am I going to do? 
What am I going to do? Mom and dad are going to kill me. They're going to kill me. And so they concocted a plan. They went way out behind the barn and they took those rinds and those seeds. They dug a big hole and they buried those rinds and those seeds in that hole. Mom and dad came home and said, what happened to the watermelon? The little boy said, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know. It was a mystery until a few weeks later. Mom and dad and the little boy were walking in behind the barn and they said, what is that? And they began to look and there was a watermelon vine that was growing up out of the ground just as pretty as you please. It'll come back to haunt you. And I know. By the way, we do know, don't we? We know what the lie of the enemy is. He'll come and he'll say, nobody will ever know. Famous last word. But it'll finally come to the surface. Hey, this is, this is all I'm saying tonight. A good reputation won't happen by accident. It'll happen when we have some people of God that say, I don't care what the rest of the world does. I don't care what all the other teenagers do. I don't care what all the other young people do. I don't care what all the other young married couples do. I don't care what they do. I just know this, that by the grace of God, we're going to have the right kind of testimony. We're going to have the right kind of a, rep of a reputation. Let's all, let's, let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this simple word tonight. I hope it's, I hope it's been a help. Lord, I do know this. Lord, every one of us have to work on this thing. Preachers, deacons, Sunday school teachers, church members, lay people, mamas, daddies, teenagers. Father, we've got to, we've got to constantly, constantly be vigilant because we have an adversary, the devil. As a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to determine that in 2021, we're going to set us up a manifesto. There are just some things we're not going to watch in our house. There are some types of music we're just not going to listen to. There are just, there, there, there's just some language that we will not use. Lord, I pray that you would give these people, please, Father, give these people a preacher that has a good name, a good reputation. Father, I pray for Miss Tammy and I all the time. Oh, Lord, help us not to stumble. Father, help us not to stumble. Lord, I pray too, though, that you'd give us a, a congregation that has a good name, a good reputation. Lord, I pray that you'll bless in this time of invitation tonight. Lord, it could be there's someone here this evening and there's a decision that needs to be made or maybe someone needs to pray about a burden or, Lord, it could be a lot of things. Maybe someone here tonight needs to pray for a loved one that has stumbled. And Lord, tonight they'll come and just get on this altar and do business with the Lord. Father, I pray that you'll bless and pray you'll work in the live stream. God, have your way tonight, please.
And we thank you so much in Jesus' name.